are tuned in to another episode of Seasoned Crime with your host, Jasmine Nicole. I make sure to bring you a story about a minority. Every Tuesday, I come on and I highlight a true crime story about a minority. On this podcast, I'm going to add some extra seasoning to the true crime craving that you have. I look at the cases that highlight minorities only. This table is always open for different races, religions, sexual orientations, social status, countries, all of that. I look for the stories that get overlooked. The ones that aren't likely to make the front page or to get their own Netflix documentary. I hope you all had a really good week. Um, Happy Black History Month. We got to make sure I put that out there. I live in the Dallas area, and as I'm putting this story together, we are in the middle of another snowstorm. Now, this is nowhere near what you guys saw in the news or what happened last year where everybody lost power and everybody's pipes were bursting and so forth. This one was actually pretty mild compared to that, but it was still enough to shut the whole state down, basically, the whole DFW area down, um, and I got to stay home and work from home for this time frame, so I had a little bit more time. So it was good for me. It was a good week. So last week, I did the story of Alton Coleman and Deborah Brown. And by the way, it was a good one. So if you haven't listened to it, make sure you continue listening when this episode's over and so you can hear that one. But anyways, at the end of the episode, I mentioned that there were a few episodes of Criminal Minds that were influenced by the crimes that Alton and Deborah committed. That got me thinking about real-life TV crimes from some of our favorite shows. So today, I'm going to tell you a story that comes from one of everybody's favorites. The OG of crime shows. I don't care who you are, if you have any interest at all in true crime. Even if you don't, I'm pretty sure you've seen this show and you, you can't admit that you don't enjoy watching it. You love it. We all love it. It is straight from an episode of Snapped. Obviously, with it coming from Snapped, we can probably already conclude that we're going to talk about a woman who killed her husband, but I am confident that you can't even imagine the details of the story that I'm about to tell you. So go ahead, push your chair up to the table, put your napkin on your lap, and get prepared for a very well-seasoned meal because today will fill your true crime appetite. Exandia Salando was born in Florida in 1971. Early in her life, her family moved to Chicago, and that's where she grew up. Her family was very poor, but that didn't stop Exandia from excelling in school. She was a straight-A student through all of school. It was easy for her, and It was kind of her way of taking her mind off of the poverty lifestyle that she was dealing with at home. After high school, Exandia decided that Chicago just wasn't the place for her. So she left and she moved to California. It was around that point in her life where she married her first husband. They had two kids together, first a daughter and then a son. But soon after having their son, Exandia and her husband ended up getting a divorce. At the age of 23, Exandia was a single mother of two. She needed to make sure that she was able to provide a decent life for her and her children, especially coming from a poverty lifestyle. She wasn't having that at all for her family. So 
in order to guarantee that she was able to provide the funds needed to raise these two children, she enlisted in the army. Exandia worked as an avionics technician, and she was really, really good at it. She figured out how to have a great work-life balance. Not only was she excelling at her job, but her family life was going good as well. She was a great mother to her kids. Whenever she could get away, she would go out and hang out on the weekends and, you know, get together with some friends. And one weekend, she did go out, and she ended up meeting a man by the name of Manuel Salido. Everybody called him Manny. Manny was from the Dominican Republic, and he served in the U.S. Navy. The two of them ended up falling in love, and when Manny got transferred to Chicago, Exandia and her kids went right along with him. In 2002, Exandia and Manny welcomed a child into the world. Together, they had a baby girl, and their love for each other just continued to grow. So much so that in October of that same year, they got married. Life was moving fast for them, and with everything going on, they decided that Exondia was going to stop working her job, and she was going to become a stay-at-home mom. She would stay home, holding down things at the house, taking care of her house, as well as now the three kids and Manny was going to stay on active duty in the Navy. Staying at home with the children was fine, but Exondia needed something else to pass the time and to earn some extra money. So she started a side hustle and she used the coding skills that she had learned at her job and made websites for people. Things were starting to shift in their home. Exondia took over everything, from the kids, to the house itself, even to the finances. She monitored what went in and what went out. So much so that it got to the point where basically Manny was getting an allowance from her. As you would probably expect over the next few years of their marriage, things started to become a little rocky. Things weren't going well, and Exondia was just waiting for something to come and take them out of this negative space that they were in. In 2006, the Army transferred Manny once again, and this time, he was sent off to Oklahoma. This was exactly what Exondia was waiting for. This is what was going to freshen up their marriage and get things back to them being in love. So, she sent her two older kids the ones that she had with her first husband. And she sent them to live in Florida with their grandmother. And herself and her youngest daughter and Manny all moved to Oklahoma. She was so ready for this. Even more so because she knew someone who lived near where they were moving to. A friend of hers named April Stubb lived there. So it was all around a really good thing for her. When she got to Oklahoma... Things were going okay. I mean, it wasn't giving what Exondia thought that it should have been giving, but it was a decent life. That is, up until Manny's enlistment ended. At that point, things went downhill, primarily because the money started drying up. Manny found work at temp agencies, but this wasn't steady and they were really having financial problems. Manny decided that in order to keep some kind of money flowing consistently in the home, that he was going to join the Army Reserves. 
Exonia was not here for it at all. In her mind, this was very low level and very low income line of work. And it wasn't what she felt like her man should be doing. On top of all of that, something in her just knew that Manny was cheating on her. Her suspicion started in 2007 when Manny went back home to the Dominican Republic so he could attend his brother's wedding. It just did not sit right with her that her husband went by himself and she just knew that something was up. As we learned before, Exondia knew her way around a computer, so she used her skills and installed spyware on Manny's computer so she could for sure see if there was anything going on. Now, me personally, I am a strong believer that you can't go putting your hand on the stove and then get mad when it gets hot. (laughs) And hot it was. Her woman's senses were right. And just as expected, there was someone else. She found out that Manny was in a long-distance relationship with another woman. And if that wasn't a bad enough hit, she also found emails that went back and forth between Manny and a divorce lawyer. This was all she needed to see. Exondia was done, and she decided she was moving out. On October 11th of 2007, her friend April came over and helped her pack up her things so she could move. In the middle of them packing things up, Exondia said that she was going to step away for a bit and run up to Home Depot. There were some things that she needed to grab that would help them with the move, so she left April at the apartment and she drove off. Exondia remained gone for three whole days. Three days before she finally came back. And when she did come back, she acted like nothing had happened. She popped right back up, and she was in army fatigue with a t-shirt and boots on, but they were covered in mud. And not only did she look filthy, but she smelled terrible. April couldn't believe it. Where had she been? And what was wrong with this girl? She tried and tried to get Exondia to explain what was happening, but she wasn't getting anywhere. All Exondia kept doing was complaining that she needed to wash the car out. April wasn't stopping though, because this just wasn't making any sense to her. So she pushed and she pushed and eventually... Exondia gave in, and she admitted that Manny was dead. She killed him. She shot him twice in the chest and then buried his body countryside. And that's why she'd been gone for the past three days. April gave up. There was no way possible that this story was true. She felt Exondia just threw some stuff out there and said whatever came up just so she could get April to stop asking her questions. She decided, you know what, she was done asking. We were just going to put this whole situation, as weird as it may be, put it behind us and try to just move on and go forward. And she really tried, but she just couldn't let go. Something was not right with Exondia, and she was being super weird. Not only that, but ever since Exondia got back, Manny was nowhere to be found. Only two days after Exondia returned, April couldn't take it anymore, so she went to the police station. 
She repeated the story that she was told to the cops, saying that she didn't believe it at first. But after these past few days, she wasn't sure what to believe anymore. She even said that Exondia didn't dump Manny's body right away, but after killing him, she kept him in the closet of their apartment for two full days before then disposing of the body. After April told all of this to the cops, they immediately went over to Exondia's apartment to see if they could correlate what they were being told to what actually happened. Exondia was there, alone, and she said she hadn't seen Manny in days, but she wasn't worried about it. They shouldn't be worried either because he's fine. He ran off with another woman, and she didn't know if or when he'd ever come back. If they don't believe her, okay, go ahead and call him, she said. He has his phone with him. So, with nothing at all, no evidence of a crime or indicating anything at all had happened, the police thought, you know, maybe she's right. Or maybe they didn't think that, but they had nothing to say otherwise, so they left. Even though they left the home, that didn't mean that they didn't do anything, though. They tried and tried and tried to call the number that she had gave them for Manny, and they got nothing. What they were able to get, though, was a search warrant for the place. They didn't get too much from that search warrant. The house itself, it was a mess. There was trash everywhere, but nothing gave them any signs that there had been any kind of murder or any foul play. They did find a cell phone. Not just any cell phone, though, but Manny's cell phone. The cell phone that Exondia specifically insisted that Manny had on his person. Along with that cell phone, they found some of Manny's other personal items. Things like his driver's license and his military ID. If he had really dipped out, those are the things that he would likely need and most likely have taken with him. So what was going on here? Exondia's computer and other electronic devices were seized at that point. The warrant didn't just cover the inside of the home, but it also allowed them to search outside as well, including the family minivan. The odor in the van smelled strongly of cleaning chemicals, and there was a large blood stain in the back of the van. DNA evidence was taken from the blood, and the van was impounded. There was no body to be found anywhere, But that DNA evidence that they took would later come back as being Manny's blood. A week passed and there was still no trace of Manny. There was no activity on his credit cards and he hadn't shown up for any of his military duties. For most grieving wives whose husbands have gone missing, you would think they'd be doing everything they could to try to figure out what was going on, what happened, but not Exondia. She packed everything up and she got her and her and Manny's daughter and they went and moved down to Florida where her other children were. Even though there was no solid evidence or proof that came from that search warrant, it wasn't all for nothing though because they were able to pull Manny's phone records. Prior to him disappearing, he was talking to another guy named Rico Del Rosario who was a former co-worker of Manny's. 
they had no idea what to expect and they really weren't thinking anything, but they did have hopes that they could speak to Rico and maybe get an idea if Manny told him about anything. According to Rico, he had spoken to Manny on October 8th, two days before Manny goes missing. Manny called to ask him if they could meet up because he wanted to talk to him about something. Rico agreed and he met up with Manny that same night. And when Manny came, he was frantic. Rico said that Manny was in need of a place to stay because he was sure that his wife, Exondia, she was going to kill him. He was visibly shaken up and saying all of this with tears in his eyes. He truly looked terrified. He went on to say that he had been secretly planning on leaving Exondia, but she had found out about all of this and he didn't know what to do. As Manny was talking and telling the story, his phone rang and right on cue, it's Exondia. Manny talked to her for a few minutes and then when that call ended, he got up and he left. Manny's cell phone records gave them some good details, but we still haven't gotten to the craziest part of all of this. Remember when I said Exondia's electronic devices had been seized? Well, details from those were back, and what they found was truly disturbing, to say the least. In case no one has told you, nothing on the internet stays private, no matter what. So, if you wanted to find out what someone was up to and what they were really looking for, where would you go look? Their Google search history. And Exondia's did not disappoint. Since July of that year, she searched things like spousal murder and how to kill your husband. That day that Manny and Rico met up, the searches started to get more intense. She then started searching things that were related to cannibalism, such as cooking people and cannibalism recipes. On August 29th, a few months before Manny disappeared, the search history was easy murder, murder methods, quick kill, strangulation, execution methods, human torture methods, and human castration. A web article titled Butchering Human Carcass for Human Consumption was also saved that day. They found searches about how to roast a pig and barbecue a full-size pig. By itself, that may not mean too much, but it stands out even more because Exondia also downloaded the instructions on how to build this pit. And a few days after Manny went missing, she went to Home Depot and bought every single item on the how-to instructions list for this pit. Her Google Maps history, that didn't work in her favor either. It showed... What it showed supported the idea that she was driving around looking for somewhere secluded. Based off of the locations, they were able to narrow it down to a six-mile radius of a rural area in Oklahoma County. They searched for anything that they can find, and they got nothing. Even though there was no body found, all of the evidence that they have obtained at this point was enough to arrest Exondia and charge her with murder, which was done on December 18th, 
2008, about a year and a half after Manny went missing. Exondia remained in jail for a few years, and then trial finally started March 22nd, 2011. At this point, she was 39 years old. Manny's body had still not been found. Exondia came to court looking very professional in a pantsuit and glasses. On the Snapped episode, Prosecutor Scott Rowland said, I don't know if there's a such thing as what a murderer is supposed to look like, but she didn't look like it. The defense's stance in this case is that Manny is still alive somewhere. They said at the time, Manny was 33 years old, and he abandoned his wife and his young daughter to go and start a new life with someone else. The prosecution wasn't going for it, and they were ready to speak to why they felt that Exondia was guilty. Their case was that she killed Manny and she burned the body, and that's why he wasn't found. The prosecution called Exondia's ex-boyfriend, Edwin Riviera, to the stand. Why would they call her ex-boyfriend to the stand in a murder case for her current boyfriend, you ask? Well, it turns out that even though Edwin was her ex, he was still around because the two of them were having an affair. This all started back in the 90s and it phased off as Exonia went to go and enjoy her married life, but the affair became sexual again around 0506. Edwin said that when they first reconnected and started hooking up again, he had no idea that she was married. Eventually he did learn, but that didn't stop them altogether. When Exondia moved to Oklahoma, they stayed in touch and they continued to talk via phone and email. Edwin said that Exondia admitted to him that she was positive Manny wasn't coming back because she shot him. She said that they were in the house, she turned up the TV really loud to drown out the sound, and she pulled the trigger. But that's not all. According to Edwin, Exondia said that after killing him, she chopped up his body into pieces, and then she went out to an abandoned house or farm somewhere and she cooked him. Yeah, you heard me right. She cooked him like a piece of meat. Remember, part of her search history was talking about cannibalism and so forth. So did she eat him? That part of the story, we don't know for sure. And when Edwin heard her talk about cooking him, once again, she admitted what had happened, but he didn't believe it. Edwin heard her, but there was no way at all that any of this could even be possible. So he laughed it off and they went on. In October of 2007, Exondia and her daughter left Oklahoma. And when they left, they met up with Edwin at a gas station in Oklahoma. So Edwin was with them when they made their way to Florida before she was arrested. Exondia's youngest daughter also took the stand, but her account of her mother and these accusations were completely different. She said, quote, It was just disgusting, some of the stuff that they were saying. I couldn't believe it. This was her mother that they were talking about, and there was no way that she could have done the things that they're saying she did. 
just as you would probably expect, Exondia herself never took the stand. On March 19th, 2011, after two and a half hours of deliberation, the jury came back with a verdict. Exondia was guilty of first-degree murder, and she was sentenced to life without parole. She did try to appeal the sentence in 2014, but it was upheld. As of today, Manny's body has still never been found. This was the as-seen-on-snapped story of Exondia Saldana. If you would like to watch the Snapped episode, this one is Season 10, Episode 14. I can say with absolute certainty that I believe that she killed him, she burned him up, or cooked him up, however you want to say it, and she ate him. I think that she ate him. I don't know if she ate all of him, but I do believe that she tasted it and tried it out and ate him. But she may have ate all of them because, again, they've never found his body or his remains or anything. Either way, a life was lost and the whole thing is absolutely disgusting and terrible to think about no matter which way you try to spin it. Thank you all for sticking around and listening to today's story. Make sure if you're not subscribed already to the show that you do so on your podcast listening platform. If you listen on Apple, please go ahead and leave us a comment as well. Show your girl some love. You can also hit me up directly through IG at Seasoned Crime, or there's an email, seasonedcrime at gmail.com, if you want to go that route as well. I love all of y'all for listening and hanging out with me this week. And next week, I will be right back to bring you another story about a minority. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Season Crime. Today's episode was researched, edited, and recorded by your host, Jasmine Nicole.